0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. We're going to focus on three specific things, which is uh, we have eternal redemption, eternal spirit, and eternal inheritance in Christ, and that these are far greater than anything that the world or religiosity can provide for us. Have you ever had a good pair of shoes, like a really good pair of maybe your dress shoes or your running shoes that you really liked? Y'all with me? You remember right at the end of its life where you are disagreeing with your spouse on whether or not you should still wear them. And they're like, you've got to get rid of those. They smell like a garbage and uh, they look like just really weathered. And you're like, I love these shoes. They're worn in. They're not dead. You know, have you ever been there? And you get that new pair of shoes and you're like, man, these are not near as good as the old ones. Because every shoe company feels like they need to upgrade their shoe. And you're like, actually, I just like the old one. Can you give me that one back? Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, I've got two pairs of shoes up here. And I have a third pair that's got the same problem, but he, these are some ultras that I ran in, in September and August with Garrett, I don't think he's in here anymore, but uh, my buddy, we were running August, September. I got two months out of these things. A couple hundred miles, not very uh, long time for something that's so expensive. Well, after a couple months, shoes aren't supposed to do that. It's not what's supposed to happen there. So I had to get rid of these. Then I got this pair. Now, these are really nice. They're really soft. I really like these. They're fast. They're pretty fast, too. Not super fast, but pretty fast. Uh, These are flat-footed, like a block. I got block feet. My kids are plagued with it as well. Um, Just wide and short feet. So, uh, here's what happens, though. Uh, Apparently, I've got running problems because same thing happened to this pair of shoes. So, apparently, it's me, although I thought it was a shoe company and i've got issues so i'm working on it. i got some brooks ghost max and my prayer is that they don't change the brooks ghost max because why i like them the way they are and these shoe companies think that they need to change them but they were good the way they were y'all had a good pair of old shoes that you really liked and when you got rid of them you got a new pair and they weren't as good right usually that's what happens. 3385 Nancy Creek Road, Gainesville, Georgia, 30506. That was my hometown, man. That was my the house I grew up grew up in. I've given you some little bits of pieces of uh, where I grew up, but man, we had this bamboo forest in the backyard riding four-wheelers, paintball, and loved that place. I uh, had a shed out back. My dad and I rebuilding Ford Bronco and uh, explore transmissions and motors and lawnmowers and jet skis and all of the stuff. Rebuilt right there in that shed. I don't know how he does it, but he does it and i got to help him do it it's awesome those are the memories i have right i know where the trees were placed and all those different things i remember the basement where my brother and i that's where we stayed and it was like i felt like it was massive i mean it's not as big as this room but it was big y'all and it was just me and him so we got real creative a lot of different ways uh one of the ways that we got creative was uh you know, we'd shoot cowboys and enemies, uh, cowboys and Indians, with these BB guns, just like you know, fun target practice. My brother's on the Olympic shotgun team. It worked out for him; didn't work out for me. Uh, but we would shoot these cowboys and Indians. And then one day, we found out there's little crickets. Now, these things aren't little though. In the South, they're massive. It's like Texas; everything's bigger. Have you ever seen those camel crickets? Okay, they thrive in the heat and in the humidity. Okay, the South is humid and hot. These things, you would walk down into your basement, and I'm not kidding y'all. The wall would be plagued with 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 these camel crickets, and y'all have seen them before, right? You walk by them, and it's like a wave of just they jump, and they just they're so fast. So what we decided was we were shooting the Cowboys and Indians. Let's shoot these little camel crickets. So we try to shoot them, and then we got a little creative. We had a, uh, a a plug that was pretty much useless. So we'd plug it into the socket. We had the end cut off, in the two pieces. We find the camel crickets in boom, and they just pff, disintegrate, man. It was awesome. My brother and I, I don't know how we didn't die. You're <laughs> getting shocked, but we were creative. Um, that was 33, 85 That Creek Road. That's where I grew up. That was my hometown. My parents, without my consent, moved. <laughs> that is not nice, um, but, you know, that's what happens in life, right? So now... And they watch the live stream, so I love you, Mom and Dad, but their new house is not near as good as the old house, right? Like, that old house is my memories, you know? So my wife and I, will go back to Gainesville, and we'll pull down towards that house, go out of our way, go down to that house, and every time I drive by it, I told you I'm getting a little bit older, right? Every time I drive by it, I'll go, I really don't like that paint job they put on it. You know what I'm saying? Why did they cut down that tree? That was a great tree. And they let the they let the uh, overgrowth overtake the uh, the shed out back. I want to go buy it. I want to walk into the house, see the owner, and I want to be like, "You guys stink! You messed up my house." I don't I'm not talking about them. I'm just talking about their house stinks. You know. Uh, but anyways, that's my hometown, and that was my house. And I didn't. I don't. I, I like the new because my parents are there. But you know, I like that old. Right. The author of Hebrews, he's like a pastor. He's writing to his people, and he's saying, you know, the old was good. But the new is better. And it's so, like, I want to go back to the old so many times. Like, I really like these ultra torrents. I really like them. But I don't need to go back to the old because the new is better. And what he's saying is, is is Jesus is better. His sacrifice is better than the old system of sacrifices. Y'all remember the story where Abraham took his son Isaac up into the, on top of the mountain? and was going to sacrifice him. Uh, and, and all of a sudden this male lamb uh, becomes present and he sacrifices the ram instead. Y'all remember that story? So for 2,000 years, now I do something for two years and I'm like, this is a rhythm of my life. I don't want to change it. Don't mess with it. It's set. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to change things. This is good. It's a great rhythm. Uh, 2,000 years. They sacrificed Animals. Because on that mountain, on that moment, God provided a way for them to sacrifice the animals instead of sacrificing the kids. So for the years up to that, other religions sacrificed children, sacrificed humans, all that ridiculous stuff that was going on. God provides a way for them to sacrifice animals instead of them having to sacrifice their own kid, right? So then skip forward. We move forward to... Uh, 2,000 years later, Jesus comes, and now we're no longer sacrificing an animal, but he says, I'm going to give you my own son. His blood will be the way that you're forgiven, no longer animals anymore. And what the people are doing is, like, let's go back to the animals. Let's go sacrifice the animals again. And God's like, no, I gave you my son. Why would you want to return to sacrificing animals again? I gave you my son. But it's so easy to go back to the old rather than trusting in the new, right? Because that old house was nice, comfortable, memories. And the new house is different. It's not where I grew up. Today, I want to encourage you from Hebrews chapter 9 to trust in Jesus. Not in the things that you tried to do to save you, to fix you, to fix somebody else, to fix your family, to stop the struggle. Fix your pain. Trust in Jesus. This is hard for us, though. It's hard for us because we as human beings are really good at finding different ways to fix stuff. Like, lots of different ways. I'm going to show you Hebrews chapter 9. And as we're going through it, I want you to know that when I was a boy... My grandfather, we call him Daddy Carl. He used uh, electrical line and wire, uh, specifically extension cords, to tie up his boat. That's what we did. Why? I don't know. Because I guess there was some there was some laying around. We didn't need to go spend money on a rope. We got some electrical cords. I don't know. We fixed everything with duct tape. Everything. Like my boat got a hole in it one time. Like a couple couple years ago. My dad's like, just throw some duct tape on it. it will fix it. Dad, I don't know if that's going to work. It's duct tape. Man, duct tape fixes everything, right? We as human beings are very creative. We will fix everything with all sorts of different ways. But the truth is we cannot fix our issue. We cannot fix the problem. We need Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 28. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, because a death has taken uh, place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. I want, to see, I want you to see those three things, eternal redemption, eternal spirit, and inter- eternal inheritance or eternal gifts, whatever you want to call it. The word eternal, Ionios in Greek, is used six times in Hebrews. Three times it's used in this short passage three times concentrated right here. In fact, in Hebrews chapter five, verse nine, essentially says the same thing. It says eternal salvation. I think the, the author has been working since chapter four till this point to show us that we have three eternal things that are greater than this temporal world, world. Eternal redemption, eternal spirit, and eternal inheritance. It's greater than the temporary things of this world. So what we have to do today is we have to ask for ourselves, what are we doing to try to save ourselves or fix somebody else like they were doing. Because my guess is most of you in here today are not sacrificing goats and lambs and, and and different types of animals, doves, to save you from your sin. Is that... I think I'm pretty accurate. Don't raise your hand if you are. We'll talk later. Okay? But... There's still, there's still a system set up it's, it's the old covenant it's the old testament that's how it was worked out in the old testament but today you are doing something probably to fix yourself to cleanse yourself just like they were and this was good stuff man remember Hebrews chapter 6 what does it say let's leave the elementary teachings but those elementary teachings weren't bad things right my parents needed to leave 3385 Nancy Creek Road we had to leave there but it's not like it was a bad thing the place was great we had to leave there. Sometimes we have to leave those things that we once held on to and clinged onto, because there's something better for us. In this case, it's Jesus rather than the sacrifices, animal sacrifices. We have a high priest. We have a, a king, a sovereign servant who loves us that we're moving towards. But we just set things up in this life like this. All right, this, this illustration fell so flat, like just... Gee! in the first service I'm not even kidding it was like the worst illustration I've ever given probably so we're going to go for it again let's see how this goes um, <laughs> uh, so if you grew up in like a Southern Baptist or a Methodist church like a Protestant Evangelical church in the 90s or 80s or 2000s or whatever it was uh, if you 2010s don't speak but uh, <laughs> just kidding but if you grew up in the two 2000s or whatever in the, one of those churches I'm going to ask you some questions I want you to see what yeah, where you're at on this, okay? Did your parents allow you to watch PG 13 or R rated movies growing up? Getting some no's? Haven't heard any yeses? No's? Pretty much no's, okay. All right, I'm gonna spell these words so that I don't get in trouble, okay? Did your parents allow you to say C R A P? No or yes? Shout it out. Don't shout out the word, heathens. Shout out yes or no. Yes. Oh. Woo. Risky. Like it. Uh, okay, how about this word? Uh D-A-E-N-G. Were you... Could you say it? No? No? Yes? Some? Okay. Well, okay. I right. have one more question. Um did your family listen to rock and roll music like sex drugs rock and roll alcohol thing like listen to that kind of music yeah. yes or no yeah. yes yeah. Woo. that's why you're in church today <laughs> i get it so y'all so some people listen to it Okay, I didn't. Um, I heard somebody in the previous service, they were like, switch foot. And I was like, yeah, see, that's the Christian. We're like, oh yeah, we got switch foot now, man. We're cool as the cool kids. We got switch foot. Y'all, <laughs> I I grew up in a family. And again, I got to go easy. My mom's on live stream, okay? But I grew up in a family where we couldn't do those things, okay? Um, or at least I don't remember that we could. So in your in your life, though, Maybe you had different things that you had set up, that y'all did. But let me ask you a question about this. Did you guys honor, uh, like, uh, rest in in the way of Sabbath? Did you you Sabbath so that you uh, were able to rest in the presence of God and not try to provide for yourself more? Like, you were totally good with what God provided, not needing to provide more. Did you guys Sabbath? And I don't mean cultural blue laws like the grocery stores closed, the restaurants are closed, and the gas stations are closed. I mean, did you get in the presence of God cutting off the things of this world as a family? Is that a no pretty much around? Okay. All right. How about this? Did you guys pray outside of mealtime together as a family? I'm hearing mostly no's. Okay. Did you guys read the Bible? together as a family and do devos outside of church some okay so okay look here's the thing neither one of those are going to save you if in your family you think if i pray more it'll fix my family that's not true if you think i can read the bible more and it'll fix my family that's also not true if you think oh maybe i buy sabbath that'll fix my family that's not true Or if you think, man, if we cut out rock and roll music or we cut out these TV shows or these PG-13 movies, maybe my family will be better off. Those are all not true. You see, what we did in our culture was we set up new laws. We set up new ways of living that aren't the way of Jesus. And we said, if we do these things, then maybe our culture will be fixed. Maybe our world, world will be fixed. Maybe our family will be fixed. And maybe I will be fixed. The problem is... We can't fix ourselves, and neither can all these rules. We need Jesus. So you can set up moral codes, and you can set up practices and spirituality that you can do in your family and think that those minds save you, but they're not going to save you because the only one that can save you is Jesus. That's the point of Hebrews chapter 9. And you see, I want you to insert yourself into this text and ask yourself if it's telling them that they shouldn't rely on the Old Testament, but should look to Jesus as the fulfillment of the Old Testament, then maybe today we're not obeying the Old Testament. Maybe we're obeying our New Testament, our New Testament, something we set up, our new covenant. So a really challenging question today is, what is your covenant with God? What is your covenant with God? How do you relate with God? It could be something like this, man, Matt, if there is a really good worship service with like the band's just awesome, the music, singing's really great, I just really connect with God. Or maybe you're like, if the sermon is really good, if it's just really engaging and really biblical, I really connect with God. Or the conference, or the retreat, or that moment in the day, if it's really good, then I feel like I'm good with God. Here's the problem there. What we can do, we easily can do is we can set up things that we do in our life that we say, as long as we can do this, our relationship with God is good. Now, I want you to see these three promises. First, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 12. This is our eternal redemption. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle and not made with hands that is not of this creation he entered the most holy place stop there most holy place here's what that's not that's not a place in heaven where only god resides where you can't get that would be ridiculous that would be like us saying hey one day we're going to get to heaven to the presence of god and there's going to be a place where only the really 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 good people can get into And that's where Jesus went because he's the really good one who took his blood to heaven and said, Hey, Father, I'm going to forgive them so that we can live up here isolated from them. It can, because what happened, what, what this is, is it's an illustration because it's a preaching, it's a sermon, it's an illustration of a tabernacle that represents the presence of God. Today, you need to see that as, if you think when you come to church and you're like, man, I'm in church, like I'm, I'm in this holy place, I can't be who I normally am, then what you're missing is, is God created a place for you. And he created a place for you. He didn't create a place for perfect, perfect you. He didn't create a place for, like, fixed-up you. He created a place for the church to gather together on Sundays or whenever else it is, to gather together, to come together to say, hey, we're all here broken, but we found a Savior. His name is Jesus. He's forgiven us, and that's who we love. That's who we worship. That's why we're here. So when you look at Hebrews chapter 9, in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, I'm not saying that there's going to be a church up there. I'm not going say or, or in heaven. I'm not saying that there's gonna be a whoops a church in heaven that we're all gonna be like, all right, Monday through Friday or Saturday, we're gonna do what we want and then on Sunday we're gonna go to church. And we're gonna go up to the throne of God and he's gonna be over there in some isolated place and then we get to go see the father and we'll be like, What's up? I've been doing what I want to. You know that this is where the illustration fell so flat in the first service. But then somebody in the back goes, Well Oh, oh, this is hilarious. Oh my gosh I said, I said uh, did you guys watch PG-13 movies and they go, they didn't have ratings when I was a kid I was like, oh apologize, every single one of them walked out they were like, we didn't have to have ratings, all our movies were good I was like, oof, that'd be bad today um, then I was like, I said uh, I, I kept talking about the, the questions and, and somebody goes well We did whatever we wanted from Monday through Saturday as long as we could go to church on Sunday as a family. Because then we were good for the next Monday through Saturday. I was like, oh, man. Like, that's what we're talking about here. We set up things in our lives where, like, as long as you go to church, you'll be good. These that's that's our sacrificing of the blood uh, of the of the goats and the and the calves and that like that's our sacrifice system. We sacrifice Sunday, thinking God's going to save us. Um. But verse twelve says, He entered the most holy place once for all time. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. You know how much of a slap in Jesus' face it is to say, I know you gave up your life on the cross, but I need to sacrifice more so that I can be saved every single day? Like, once for all time means that Jesus sacrificed his life once for all time. So every time you come to church and think, I just need to get good again, Jesus is like, You can't get good again. That's why I died. Don't you remember? You know what I'm saying? Or it's like, I just need to pray more. Man, if I could just pray more, I'd be better. Or like, if I just read more of the Bible, I'm going to start reading the Bible again. If I start reading the Bible again, it's going to fix my family. No, it's not. It's not going to fix your family. Jesus. The whole, man, the Bible points to Jesus and we point back to the Bible. Like, if I read the Bible more, it's going to fix me. No, the Bible says it's Jesus, not the Bible. The only thing about the Bible that can save you is because it's pointing, it is the living word. Only when it is the living word, sharper than two-edged, double-edged sword, like only when it is active in your life, when the Spirit's using it in your life, is it going to transform you. But it does that through the Spirit. It does that through Jesus. Like without Jesus, it's just words on a page. But with Jesus, it comes to life. It says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's where the Bible comes to life in your life, not where you just pray or where you just read, but when Jesus is with you. You see, Christianity is not about what I need to do more. Christianity is about what I couldn't do, so Jesus did more than I could. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I need Jesus. And if I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray to Jesus. If I'm going to read, I'm going to read because I want to know Jesus. I want to fall more in love with Jesus because he's my high priest, verse 11. He's appeared as a high priest. This is the good one, the one I needed. Verse 13 and 14 says, For the blood of goats and and bulls and the ashes of young cows sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh how much more will the blood of Christ to through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God cleanse our conscience so you see the difference there purification of the flesh through the animals cleansing of our consciences through Jesus from dead works so that we can serve the living God so that and that word so that Hottie uh, in, in Greek is is pointing towards the purpose of this verse and the purpose is so that we can serve God how can we serve God we serve God because the eternal spirit is in us. Luke chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 10 say that the Spirit empowered the Son to do the will of the Father. The Spirit empowered the Son to do the will of the Father. And today, the Spirit is empowering you to do the will of the Father. And so now we're able to, as the question asks, serve the living God so that we can serve the living God. The way I serve the living God is not because my flesh has been cleansed, but because my conscience is, because my life is about serving God because the Spirit is in me, because Christ has forgiven me, not because of anything good I've done. Now, don't flip these. Don't flip these two. Eternal redemption and eternal Spirit. Don't flip those two. Here's what happens when you flip those two. You start to say, uh, I, I need to do more things. Spirit, give me the ability to do more things so that Jesus will redeem me. I need to be saved, therefore I need to do more. So you start working for your salvation. Like look at how much money I've given to the church. Look at how many times I've attended church. Look at the Sunday schools I lead. Look at all these different things that I set up so that I can be saved. Even more, look at Romans 8 chapter uh, verse 2 because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death you have been set free don't return to slavery you've been set free so don't return to those old patterns in your mind where you say how do I fix this how do I get right with God okay if I used to get right with God this way maybe that's the way I should still get right with God and we miss Jesus every single time because don't you think that the Jews in Hebrew in the book of Hebrews who were hearing this message were going How do I get right with God? I do what I've, we've been doing for 2,000 years We give an animal sacrifice to the priest. Can you imagine that experience for just a moment with me first century? You're like and I don't I really don't mean this as a joke, but it it's kind of comes off that way um Monday, you're like, man, I lied to somebody. Tuesday, you're like, man, I cheated somebody out of something. Wednesday, you're like, I was tempted by lust. And Thursday, you're like, man, I ripped somebody off of money. And then uh, Friday, you're like, man, I said something really mean to somebody that was hurtful. And uh, all these things are pretty wicked. So I need to give a calf and a dove and some grain to purify me of those sins. And you take it to the priest and you come before him and you're like, hey, here, I've done these things. Can you imagine, like, that feeling right now? Uh, I even just think, like, a couple families walking up to the priest, like, it's sacrifice time, and you're all coming up there. And, like, seriously, somebody's got, like, a dove and, like, a little bit of grain. And then there's other dudes, like, carrying a big old calf. And he's like... And they're like, man, you really messed up this week. <laughs> you screwed up, baby, dude. What'd you do? And you just like lump that guy over there and, and they're going to sacrifice this thing. But, but seriously, in your mind, can you picture that and think of how like guilt ridden that could be? Like my whole family's got to give up everything because of all the sin that we've had in our life this week. So here's all my sacrifices. And then Jesus comes, and there's 2,000 years of animal sacrifices and completed in him, and no more do we have to give up an animal sacrifice because he gave up his own life, and no longer do we have to return to that idea of, like, God, here, hopefully you cleanse me. God, here, I messed up again. God, here, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. And Jesus is like, I freed you. Verse 15 says, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, this is an eternal inheritance. It's gifts. It's blessings. It's what God pours out in you because his son Jesus Christ died for you. It's the inheritance of eternal life. It's the inheritance of the eternal spirit. This inheritance pouring out into your life is far greater than anything this world can give you. So don't flip them. Here we go again. Don't flip these because here's what could happen. God, if you give me what I need, I will then do what you want me to do. Serve the living God. I will do what you want me to do so that you'll save me. And then it flips back around again. Now I'm going to do what you told me to do because I feel good about myself. Uh, I'm going to uh, uh, give me what I need so that I'll do what what you want me to do so that you will save me. That's where it's flipped. Now, do it in the order of Hebrews, and it sounds like this. God, you have forgiven me and freed me. You've given me the Holy Spirit to empower me to do what you've called me to do. And I thank you for blessing me and giving me gifts in abundance, not for what I did before your son Jesus Christ secured in his life, death, and resurrection. That's the gospel. We better not flip that around. But what have we set up in our lives? What have you set up? What have I set up in my life to create a different way to relate to God? I mean, this could be even like a Bible study in the morning. You could have a Devo in the morning. You're like, as long as I get my Devo in, like, I'm good. No, you're not good. As long as Jesus forgives you of your sin, you're good we got to change the mindset. we got to make sure that we understand when we do a Devo in the morning, it's not so that we're good. It's not so that we're forgiven. It's not so that we'll be better. It's so that we can be with God who loves you. Your Devo in the morning, your Sabbath during the week, your fasting during the week, all of those things are because God saved you. You get to be with him, not so that he'll save you. And so today, maybe you have a transactional relationship with God. Maybe it's like, if I do this for God, he will give me what I want. Maybe you have a moral purity-like relationship with God. If I live in this way, if I, like, stop doing these things I shouldn't be doing, God will accept me again. Maybe you have, like, a Christian service, like, mindset. It's like, if I do these things for him, if I go serve him in this way, he'll approve of me for the first time. (laughs) Or maybe it's a church attendance thing. It's like if I go to church, then maybe God will gather me up with the rest of the church. I'll just like, maybe he'll come back when we're in church and be like, oh, that's my church. I'm going up with them. And maybe in your mind, you have this idea of like, maybe if I just pray enough or just read enough or just memorize enough or just meditate enough, if I just do all these things enough, maybe God will save me. We can form as many ways to save ourselves as we want, but there's only one way. His name is Jesus. I will continually say this. I will continue to push this message because our culture will continue to put up other ways for you to be saved. You might think one day, man, I think I could fix my family if we could just go to this retreat, or I could probably just fix my family if we'd start fasting together more, or if we start Sabbathing together more, if we stop watching all rated movies. But I hope you'll remember this message that it's only Jesus. And maybe Jesus will use Sabbath to change your life. Maybe Jesus will use solitude to change your life. Maybe he'll use the word of God to change your life. I'm not sure what he'll use. Maybe he'll use a sermon or a worship service or a retreat. But if your life has changed, it's because he used it, not because of it. How's God going to work in you? What's he going to use? I don't know, but I know that He can change your life. So as the band comes, I want to I want to challenge you with this. Maybe you're in here today and you're like, "Man, man, I, I feel really like I am trusting in Jesus' sacrifice." Well, maybe maybe uh, think about this. Uh, do you have people in your life that you're trying to get closer to the Lord, and uh, you want them to follow after Jesus? Well, here would be a challenge for you. Are you asking them to do what God says? Are you asking them to live moral lives? Are you asking them to serve Christian efforts? Like you're like, man, you should just come on this mission trip with me or you should just come to church. Maybe you're just like, man, if you'll just come to church, it's going to change your life. If you're doing that, you're probably preaching a false message because there's no church service, no mission trip, no moral life that can save them. They need Jesus. And if we're going to be people who are transformed ourselves, we're going to have to recognize that Jesus saved us. And so the only way for others to be saved is through Jesus too. So this morning... Maybe you're here today, you're like at church and you're like, man, this week was just really bad and I need to come back to church for the first time in a long time, Matt. If you're here, I want you to hear this really clearly. This isn't going to save you. This place, this service, this sermon, this worship service, none of this is going to save you. Only Jesus can save you. And so if you want to hear a message from me, here's what I would tell you. You're going to be broken for the rest of your life and you're going to struggle with different things. This world is hard. But in the midst of all that, there's a God who loves you enough to give up his son, Jesus Christ, so that you would be freed and forgiven. So no matter what you do, where you go, who you struggle with, what you wrestle with, what temptations you face, give Jesus with you. He'll not leave you. The Spirit will be in you to empower you to do exactly what God called you to do. If you want to be free in your marriage for the first time in your life, it's not going to be because you go to a marriage seminar. It's because Jesus uses that marriage seminar. It's not going to be because you memorize verses together as a couple for the first time. It might be because Jesus uses that memorization to change you. So today, if you want transformation in your life, look to Jesus and let him work through any way he wants. And maybe you're out watching a sunrise with your best friend and God works through that sunrise. Maybe you go running. Maybe you go fishing. Maybe you go knitting. Maybe you go to work one day and God wastes up your life. I don't know. But here's what I do know. When Paul, the writer of a significant amount of the New Testament, needed transformation in his life, God woke him up. Not by the sacrifices, not by his service, not by his memorization, not by his intellect, because he was a smart dude. But God woke him up walking to go persecute other Christians. What is God going to do in your life today? How is he going to transform you today? Because if he does, it's going to be through Jesus Christ and that alone. Let me pray for you. Father, we need you. We need you for so many different things in our life as you see. But we first thank you. We give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and raising from the dead so that we might be free, forgiven, and spend eternity with you in heaven. So for the eternal redemption, God, for our forgiveness, we thank you. For the eternal spirit, for our empowerment, we thank you. And for the eternal inheritance, the gifts and blessings you poured out in our life, we thank you. And so God, for all that thanks, we give our days, we give our minutes, we gave our lives to you, not for our own salvation, but because you have saved us, we give our lives over to you. Use us as you see fit. We are your people. And Father, I pray for those in this room this morning who have been seeking their own salvation and fighting for their own salvation, trying to fix their lives, that they would rest in your grace and mercy. So Father, we need you and we trust you and we love you. Would you work in our lives this morning? pray this in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.